Mental Wealth Entrepreneurs Podcast, a podcast for resilient entrepreneurs. Today I have a special guest, Rick Jordan, who is one of America's leading voices on business, entrepreneurship, life, and cybersecurity. Rick is a frequent expert guest nationwide on ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox, a featured guest at NASDAQ, Harvard Clubs of Boston, and New York. Uh, also Mercedes, Coca-Cola, and West Point Military Academy on Leadership, Ethics, Technology, and Security. He's also the best-selling author of Situational Ethics. So Rick Jordan is the CEO and founder of Reach Out Technology. Twelve years ago, Rick was laid off, broke, and in foreclosure with newborn twins. This is when, in the middle of recession, he founded now a multi-million dollar MSP, Reach Out Technology. So let's listen how he did it. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mental Wealth Entrepreneurs podcast, a podcast for resilient entrepreneurs. I have a pleasure to have a very special guest today, um, Rick Jordan, uh, who is the CEO and the founder of Reach Out Technology. Uh, Rick, it's nice to have you in the studio. Oh, thank you. It's great to be on. I love good conversations with good people. Let's have, let's have all the good stuff today. All the goods. Good, good, good. Uh, you are you are a very special guest. Uh, first of all, because this podcast is um, is generally for female entrepreneurs, so you are our special bonus episode because several times throughout the interviews uh, we've discussed um, issues such as you know we need to kind of look at what men are doing and and because sometimes it's it's yeah. best to learn from men so and and especially this topic of the mental wealth uh, i guess it would be great to have your view on this topic as well so it's my pleasure to have you in this video oh, that's awesome it's my pleasure I, I wish a lot of men would look at what women are doing too in the reverse because i think it's just amazing for real, you know, especially women that, you know, are entrepreneurs that have families that ha have kids, you know, it, it's mind blowing to me how a woman is able to handle so much. I mean, a dude can't do that. There's no way. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I guess that sometimes they can, but we, we I can't multitask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we all say, oh, women can multitask. Yeah. When I'm writing or when I'm doing something, my husband talks to me, talking to me, and I'm like, I can't hear you. I can't focus on you because I'm doing something else. And he said, you are a woman. You're supposed to be multitasking. Like, yeah. You know, I can't. So anyway, you know, it's cool too. A lot of, a lot of uh, female entrepreneurs that I met. Uh, I'm I really really enjoy scotch. That's my drink of choice. And yeah. uh, you know I haven't found many women that enjoy scotch except in the entrepreneurial community. I mean, they, they'll they'll drink Macallan with me all day long. It's awesome. I love it. So it's, it's yeah. a common bond. Yeah. Yeah. You sh you should meet me about twenty years ago. I was drinking just scotch. Awesome. Now it's wine time for me. <laughs> wine time, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the first responsibility of every wine is to be red. Yeah. Oh, mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Rick, you are uh, one of the uh, America's leading voices on entrepreneurship, business, cybersecurity. You've got a best-selling book, um, Situational Ethics. You've got your own podcast, All In. How did it all start for you? Oh my goodness. You know, everything, it's interesting. Everything you're talking about has been really within the past couple of years, but it's, it's sort of like a culmination of things that I've been doing for the past 15. You, know, you ask, how did it start with me? And I, you know, I have to bring up my wife in this too, because she's amazing. It takes an amazing woman to be married to a dude like me, because I'm kind of all over the place in, in, in good ways, in good ways, but it's just, it's difficult to kind of keep up because my brain has 27 new ideas every single day. And I honed in on those around 12 years ago when I was laid off and my twins were born just two weeks after I was laid off. And that's when I started my entrepreneurial journey. I had little side hustles, if you want to call them that, for maybe six years or so. And I always say that my biggest regret was not diving into something all in 
during those six years because I feel like I almost lost those six years, you know, just still working in the corporate world and trying to rise up the corporate ladder and get the promotion and the pay raise, all of that. I, I really, really wish that I had just jumped off the cliff a little bit sooner. You know, but I learned a lot during those times too, and it helped shape who I am now. But when you say, where did all of it start? I've been on stages for, geez, over 20 years now as a musician, as a pastor in a church, you know, several churches. You know, really, I was always the number two guy, and I was always the one that was leading the music, You know, the front man playing the guitar. I played drums too. So I, I did the math the other day, and I've been on stages at least this isn't a minimum because of that, you know, in front of thousands of people, at least 1200 times over the past 20 years, you know, oh. and it was mind blowing. I never sat down and did that math. You know, so you talk about where did it start? You know, my dad put me on stage when I was 10 years old playing drums in the church because I was already an accomplished drummer. Even at 10, he started teaching me when I was five. So he shoved me on stage when I was 10 because the church band needed a drummer at that time. It was a smaller church of about 200 people. Yeah, but that was the first time I was in front of people was was playing drums and it was a lot of fun. You know, so it takes me all the way back to, you know, I'm 40 now. So that's 30 years ago was my first time on stage. So if, if that's where it all started, awesome. That's where it all started. Yeah, because your dad was very influential when you were growing up. He, he was. was your role model. Yeah, he sure was. And he passed away when I was just 16 years old. Mm -hmm. He had leukemia. So I, I knew him better than my brother and sister because my brother and sister are five and six years younger than me. I'm very fortunate and grateful to have that time with him. And I, I always rem remember him being around. That was one of the, the biggest things. And maybe that's even something that I struggle with right now because I do travel a lot. And I remember my dad was always home before school when I left. And he was always home before I, school was done when I came back home at the end of the day. And that was something he wanted to do. You know, he was he was in sales and insurance, and he used to say that he had the best part time job in the world you know, just because he could do that. That was his his thing is he just always wanted to be home with family. And I'm trying I take a look back at that. And the dude was an amazing man, an amazing influence in my life, always, always involved in everything that I was doing. It's awesome. Yeah. And I think back, it's like I, I think almost because he he never really made more than maybe 30,000 U.S. dollars every year. Yeah, so we were very, very poor growing up. I never had an allowance. You know, I, I would get paid $5 to cut the lawn. You know, that, that was my thing, was mowing the lawn. And it, there was just never a lot of money going around. And I think back and, you know, to that influence that you're talking about, those were really the only fights that my parents ever really had was over money. And yeah. seeing that growing up, I was, uh, you know, my dad was very free-flowing like I was, you know, and didn't really care much about money. Now, even though I have a lot now, I still don't really care much about it because I see it more as a tool that just to achieve some outcome, uh, advance your purpose, to level up to whatever you're going to do. That's how money is to me. You know, it's something that, that continuously drives you forward into the next great experience, the next mode of serving people. My mom didn't really see it that way. She always saw it as the end all and be all, you know, meaning we're always working for money. It's like you're you're working to live rather than living to work. You know, it was just an interesting scenario that I saw and their fights were always yeah. about money. So, mm. you know, maybe that was conditioning is just, you know what, I'm never going to have an issue with money. I've had my problems with money still, but that was the, the yeah. picture growing up, you know, that, that, uh, you know, I don't know if that was such a healthy thing from a mental perspective, seeing my parents fight over that, you know, and I, I know from a divorce perspective, what is it? It's something like sex and money are the two top reasons, right? why people get divorced. For the most part. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know my parents on the sex side. Or just a constant nag, 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 nag. Oh, yeah, for sure, right on. But what are they nagging about? There's always something that's surrounding yeah. that, you know? Yeah. And, and money is, uh, that's a big driver for conflict. I was mm. Seeing that growing up, I was like, you know what, that's never going to be me. And I started thinking back and reflecting years later. It's like my dad was really, really good at sales. He could have made you know, millions, really. And I feel that he almost settled in those ways. A big influence on in my life, you know, and he didn't even realize the impact that he had by by choosing to not make a lot of money. You know, that was another yeah. impact that he had. It, I, I know it was a choice on his part because there were things that would come out of his mouth where he would say that, you know, and I would see my mom get upset about money and just, you know, not not really understanding that it's really meant to be a tool rather than 
helping you drive forward things in life. You know, I, I don't know. I think back to those days and I just thought I'm never going to be that way. You know, so now I'm, I travel, shoot. I mean, last year, you know, I'm an ambassador level with Marriott, right? Which mm -hmm. means that I stay in a Marriott chain hotel. So I'm at one of their hotels over 100 nights a year in order to achieve that level. Yeah. That is a third, you know, it's really more like 150 nights. And then there's other just kind of sporadic hotels. So I'm gone a lot. And I compare that to my dad who was always home. And it's like, how do we, how do we blend that? And I feel that you really can by having one, uh, you know, as a man, I feel that you can by having an amazing wife that, that holds things together. And that's, that's her amazing role. And she's pursuing other things right now too, like, like entrepreneurial coaching, you know, for the partners of entrepreneurs, because uh, yeah. <laughs> whether you're male or female, I feel that, you know, whoever our partner is in life is an entrepreneur. We kind of drive them crazy a little bit. It's just the, the, <laughs> the nature of it. Um, no, it's, it's, it's great. You have a very supportive wife because we've, we've had some discussions on this program with yeah. other female entrepreneurs. And some of them said that, they sometimes can't share everything with their husbands because they've been employees all their lives. Yeah, yeah. And they just don't understand the difficulties they're going through sometimes. Sure. So that's why they have to find mentors or some other people to talk to about their business yeah. side of things. They're not wrong, for sure. I mean, I've had yeah. that struggle too. It's uh, it's a little different. I mean, we're uh, we're 12 years into this now, you know, so there's the expectation now between my wife and I, that this is just this type of life. Uh, yeah. And there's things that we can do. And she said something pretty amazing to me the other day, because I mean, we've had our struggles when it comes to marriage, uh, but she said something amazing the other day. It was just two weeks ago that, you know, I, I realized cause her friend is moving back from Phoenix and is just not in a good place mentally right now because her husband is an entrepreneur. You know, so, so she, her husband, or they're moving back to the Chicago area where we're at. And my wife said, you know, I, I really appreciate what you do because I realize that if you didn't do what you did, I couldn't do what I did. And I couldn't be there for my friend right now, who's also married to an entrepreneur yeah. know, to help them through that point. But you're dead on, you know, because there's things still that I can't have a deep conversation with my wife because she's been the W2 employee. That's the only thing she's known. You know, and it, it, it happens. And I don't think that's gender specific either. You know, because females who are entrepreneurs, I could see that with their husbands. You know, even husbands can be completely supportive. I think I'm sure you've probably run into this too, which is an interesting perspective. Female entrepreneurs, I'm positive, have a completely different battle, you know, th than I do, because it's typically men have a very proud stature, right? As the the breadwinner, the money maker. Uh, so when a, a female can make more money than a man, being an entrepreneur. That's got to dig into the men a little bit, I would think. So I'm sure that's a greater struggle for that, you know, and I don't see, I think that's almost like a lack of an identity for, for one part on a male's perspective. I could see that, you know, only because I am an entrepreneur. If my wife was doing way better than me and making millions more than me, I'd be like, awesome, go get it. But for me, I would still have that competitive nature inside of me being a man being like, Hey, I'm still going to try to top her. <laughs> it's just, you know, even though she could blow, blow by me, but for a man, you know, if, if this is for women speaking, hopefully as a husband of a female entrepreneur, it would help drive them and pull them up to an even higher level in their lives. I know that's how it would be for me, you know, but even if it's, they're working a regular nine to five job, the, the male, maybe they could try to go for the next promotion, you know, or just continue yeah. to move that way. So I want to encourage your listeners you know, if that's the case, use it because men are, you know, men are extremely competitive. It's just our nature, you know, it, probably more than than women. And yeah. it's, it goes back to our innate nature, you know, just even back to caveman days or whatever, you know, and that we're always the ones that are just out there, the beasts, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we, we've all, we always have to have dominance in some way. So maybe in that way, you know, my brother, he's, he makes less than my sister-in-law does than his wife, you know, and they're both working regular jobs and he's actually pretty secure in what he does, which I commend him for that because even though his wife is making more and it's awesome because it's a good relationship between those two that they just know what their lanes are. 
you know, and he's, he has two, two girls, his daughters, you know, no, no sons, but he's amazing with them. And I don't know. I mean, I, if I had all girls as kids, it'd be a different story for me. I would think, you know, I might not be able to relate to them as well as I do my sons, but since I have a mix, it's better for me. Yeah. I think God knew what he was doing there for real. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, you know, you, you mentioned that probably, you know, you, you've chosen your path because of your, you know, parents and the yeah. way they influence. I mean, I grew up in a family with three sisters. So there were four girls and we were never really encouraged. Uh, we were actually, I mean, my father now passed away, but he even said to me once, you know, you have good looks, so there's <laughs> you no do. way you make, wrong. <laughs> make, make, make it in life. <laughs> yeah. Compete with another man, so just use your looks whilst you can. I said, Oh, gee, uh, thanks, Dad. Well, you, know, you can? Oh, my goodness. Wow. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wrong. That's a tool, right? Never been encouraged in our family. That, that That's for sure. Yeah. But you, you know, you, uh, you, you said 12 years ago, you, you were employed, right? Yeah. Yep. So, so you didn't think back then. Uh, well, before before your employment to become an entrepreneur, you decided to find a, a nine till five job, right? I did, what was yeah. the reason for that? I um, I did things on the side, you know, even if it was yeah. a second job, you know, I was working for Best Buy for a few years, yeah. just 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 for something to do, a little extra money, you know. And then I was thinking, you know, maybe I can have like a small consulting business on the side just for extra money. I, I really thought that my main gig was just being an employee, but I always had this thing to where I sort of pushed against authority because you know, I always felt like it was dumb, you know, because this is going to sound arrogant and it's not at all. I always felt like I was the smartest person in the room. And that bug. And then you need to leave that room. Exactly. <laughs> that bug the crap out of me. It's like, yeah. why can't I be in rooms to where I'm the dumbest person in the room? Because then I'm going to learn more. You know, so yeah. that that was the struggle that I had in the corporate world yeah. is that everybody was just in a system in, in the in this lane, in this mode of just trying to one up everybody else. You know, and that's all they cared about. So when I would walk in and just blow their minds with some concepts, you know, I'm like, guys, this shouldn't be the case. You know, I, I, I get that I'm intelligent. I get that I have drive and passion, but I want to be in rooms to where I feel like I'm the dumbest person in the room. That way I know that I'll be able to be brought up and you can help lift me. And then maybe, you know, I can be the smartest person in the room 40 years from now. Cool. And then I can mentor others, you know, like I'm doing right now. You know, but still I strive. I strive so much to be that dumbest person in the room because I know how much I'm going to learn. But even to the point to where a couple of years ago I was a little bit insecure with my own value because I was being invited into rooms to where I knew that I was going to be the dumbest person there. <laughs> I, 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 but, you know, I, I was like, oh, I really want to be in there. I'm like, what kind of value can I bring to the room? You know, so, and I learned very quickly that even though there's other people that have achieved more than me in that room, there's still things that I do and expertise that I have that I can always bring to any room that'll benefit them. So yeah. even though I may not have accomplished the 150 things that they have so far in life, I will still be able to bring them value. And in that, they'll see somebody to pour into like me and be like, hey, Rick, this is what I've learned from all my failures and successes. I see where you're at. And that's cool. Yeah. You've got some good knowledge. But maybe you should try this. I walk out of there just lifted up because I knew that I brought them value in whatever little way that I could. And at the same time, they were able to pour into me and I learned something just by teaching somebody else. Yeah. So I guess, I guess them laying you off was kind of a blessing for you, right? Because oh, it, it was what I needed. It, it really was. And I had yeah. a, I had a, a client of Best Buy that I was working with because I was in business to business sales. I wrote their playbook there. And he was telling me, he's like, Rick, if you ever go for three years, he was telling me, Rick, if you ever do something on your own, I'm there with you. I think you need to. I think you need to push that. And, you know, this was in cybersecurity. He did this with his mechanic, too, for his cars. You know, he yeah. collected older cars and his yeah. mechanic listened. You know, it was really the push that I needed. And I think I was talking about this a little the other day, too. I was one of those dudes, not so much a planner because I would take the punches as they would come. But I, I had this weird idea in my head. And it was more of like a safety and security thing that really was an insecurity and in that yeah. I wanted everything laid out in front of me to where I could see all the steps. 
I could see exactly, you know, if I picked a career choice and where I wanted to end up 10 years from now, I wanted to see all the steps and all the actions I needed to take in that 10 year period to get there, to completely strategize this. I did this with kids too. That's what, I'm the reason why we waited so long to have kids six years into our marriage, because I, I use a stupid phrase that I just wanted all my ducks in a row. You know, and then it was at some point to where it was just a knockdown, drag out fight with my wife. Yeah, and this was again nine months before I got laid off, before I was, I was fired. Yeah, you know, where I said, "Fine, I give up. I'm just going to give up control." And that was the best moment I ever had in my life because from there on, it's like, "Screw it, I'm just going to go after whatever I'm going to go after, no matter what comes at me. I don't even need to see the next ten steps. All I need to know is the destination, and I'll figure it out." along the way. You know, and that's when I also learned it's like money, there's always money to be made. You know, there, there's never a reason why I need to struggle with money. You know, even though you might take some financial hits and I've had those, you know, every entrepreneur has, but taking those financial hits is part of it. And then you figure out, wow, well, that didn't work too well. Maybe I just need to shift a little bit and try something different, you know, a different plan of action. You know, money should not be tough. Even my son gets that. I wanted to, do you mind if I talk about something real quick uh, about my daughter? Because this is yeah. interesting to me because I love the format of your show out of anybody. Cause I have three kids. I have two twin 13 year olds and then a 10 year old son. My twins are boy girl. So Ariel, who's my daughter, my only daughter out of all three of my kids, she is the one that's showing that entrepreneurial spark. You know, she's 13 now, ever since she was five years old. I remember when she was just that young, she, she was thinking, you know, I love milkshakes and I love waffles. How about I have a store or a restaurant that just does shakes and waffles? You know, I'm like, that's awesome. I mean, she was just five years old when she was doing that. Yeah. And now, over the course of the year, she's honed that into baking. And now, I mean, we've actually honed this vision of hers over the past six months to where probably just two years from now, she's going to, at 15, I can't believe this, she's going to look at launching a national franchise of cupcake stores. Uh, and I, I can't, the, the whole plan isn't hashed out yet, but I tell you, I travel, I come home. There's three cakes waiting for me because she's just messing around with stuff, you know, but she's not thinking, yeah, this looks like fun. And the conversation I had with her the other week was, you know, do you want to do this just for like one store and have fun? She's like, no, I don't think so. I want to have a lot of stores because I want a lot of people to be able to experience this concept. Like, that's the way to think about it. Yeah, You don't want to go into this because an entrepreneur to me, whether it's male or female, it doesn't matter, is not somebody that just does a job for mm -hmm. themselves versus someone else. An entrepreneur has a vision that is much larger. Because if you're just doing it saying, you know, I want to open up a cupcake store, or I want to open up a restaurant, or I want to be a financial coach, whatever it is, there's a lot of good coaches out there, you know, or, you know, good insurance agents, and they're doing it for themselves, they're producers, they're making a good living, that's great. But if you're an entrepreneur, you're truly trying to build something that's bigger than yourself. You must have a team, in my opinion. That's one of the dividing lines between yeah. someone who's an entrepreneur and somebody who's just doing a job. Because the reason why we should be an entrepreneur, yes, it, to enhance our own lives, but we we almost have an obligation to bring others along that journey with us, to help them, to show them yeah. the ways that they can go. So when my daughter says, hey, I want to open up a cupcake store, I'm like, just one? Is that it? <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. no, I want, I want to, I want to create jobs. I mean, she's saying this and she's 13. I want to have people have a lot of money and security and everything. I'm like, that's awesome. Then that's way more than one store. We should talk about a franchise model. Well, what's that dad? So then I'm explaining to her at 13 yeah. years old what a franchise model is. You know, I'm like, you could be just this amazing gourmet cupcake person that just, you know, enhances it. Cause who doesn't like a cupcake first off? You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good too. I know I'm biased, but we've got a bakery right down the street that has two master bakers. It's one of the only 25 bakeries in the whole U S that actually has two master bakers. Her stuff is way better than theirs. And she's only 13. I'm like, you can just hone this stuff and cookie cutter this, you know, to cupcakes and you can mass produce this. You could be the first real competitor to sprinkles. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it, it's great. You encourage your kids to do this. I mean, it's, I, I don't want to go into much more detail, but my, my sort of background, sort of passion, I'm also kind of, uh, well, I'm writing a book about artificial intelligence and impact on jobs. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, you, you, you're either going to be employed in the business, but you have to understand artificial intelligence and be able to work with it, or 
another way for you to be relevant is to be an entrepreneur. And yep. uh, I guess this is something they don't teach kids in schools. Right on. And if parents don't 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 show kids the ways to how how to be more entrepreneurial, who's gonna teach them? Exactly. Yeah. But right you know, going, going going back to uh to the time when you lost your job. Yeah, sorry, why I keep twirling on yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Why did you decide to to become an entrepreneur? Because you could just simply find another job. I could have, yeah. You're right. Yeah. And I, you know, I could make an easy probably now seven figures working for anybody as a CISO or what, whatever in, in cyber, it, it really came down. And th- this was sort of the passion because I'm an ordained pastor too. You know, I've, I've helped launch three churches. I have this desire. You might even want to call it a disease to help other people, you know, and I heard business owners and even working for corporate America, you know, they would always have budgets for payroll, you know, and it's, it always annoyed the crap out of me because there were only certain amounts that they could give for increases that was budgeted, no matter how well the store did or whatever it is. You know, it's a, why is that the case? You know, and I even hear business owners now, even clients of mine right now that complain about payroll, you know, especially during COVID, how we just had it. That's one thing that I've always said to my team. It's like, I love payroll time. I love signing checks because I know what I'm doing is paying for somebody's mortgage. You know, it's not like I I have really just three kids in my own house. It's like I have a hundred kids because of all the families of the people that work for me that I'm able to enhance and provide a living for them. It's such a fulfilling thing for me. So even though, yeah, I, you know, I, I always thought I I could come up with a better way, you know, the entrepreneur or whatever, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to fit into a a system. There's all that that's traditional with entrepreneurs. Yeah. That's pretty much textbook. But for me, it was more, I just want to enhance the lives of everybody else. I want to create jobs. I want to show people that there's a, a better way than, you know, just fitting into the system you know, and allowing them to really determine their own success level too, because, uh, you know, almost everybody in my company has incentive-based compensation based upon performance, you know, all the way down to a freaking receptionist, you know, (laughs) not, not minimizing that role because she does an amazing job with that. But still, I mean, whether it's, you know, call answer rates, you know, how much time people are on hold, whatever it is, so that they fit into the vision and they understand what the overall scope of that vision is and they believe in it. They believe in driving the whole thing forward. That's the culture that I've created, and it has to be that way. You know, other people aren't just around to work for you just to fit into the machine and do a job. They're there to really help pull more out of you, you know, pull the best out of you as an entrepreneur. Though when payroll comes around, I love just randomly doing bonuses too. You know, I've had people start for me. I have a new executive director, high-level position, key employee that started in the past three months, female. She's amazing. You know, she has an entrepreneurial mindset. What's really cool is that entrepreneurs can even work for other entrepreneurs. As an entrepreneur, you can fit into this entrepreneurial machine to to help enhance somebody else's vision because you have the same mindset. And she's working on building and she even has equity in the business, you know, because she's a key employee. I'm like, this is what I'm hiring off for. She's like, what about bonuses? I said, you've get, you're really determining yourself right here. I said, trust me on this. And even in just four months, there's been little things, you know, a couple thousand here, a couple thousand there that she's gotten that have just blown her mind. Like when it's there, it's always going to come your way. You know, but either way, you're still building up your own base, your own foundational financial stability because you have skin in the game. You have equity here. So if we fail, you're going to fail too. If we succeed, you're going to make so much more because everybody's making so much more. Everybody feels like they're really a part of it, not just from a mental perspective, but literally from a financial perspective too. Yeah. So what was the um, most difficult time since since you've started the reach out technology business? Uh, What was the most challenging time um, since the beginning of the company? Almost dying. (laughs) <laughs> literally <laughs> no, that, that was five years ago that was uh i had a i had a a black necrotic you know gangrenous gallbladder this was oh, in God. 2015 yeah and it was eight months this is prior to that you know i had a couple of team members you know and we were doing well you know everybody was making what they needed to not nothing over the top you know i, I still you know i hate to minimize it to this but i still 
wasn't wearing, you know, nice watches or driving an Aston Martin like I am right now. It's because That's my I, favorite car. Well, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's my favorite car now too. It's, uh, <laughs> they're, they're fun. They're a lot of fun. Yeah. That's uh, even those are tools too. You know, for, for real, because as you buy those things, it becomes a marketing side of it. Yeah. Say, hey, look, this the most of the world looks at those things as like a, a level of status, right? And this is a little bit of a tangent, but yeah. Uh, if it's marketing or whatever it is, still those kinds of things get you into different circles to where you can help a different level of people and you can make even more money, which means you can employ more people and they can make more money. Everything's still a tool. And yes, they're a lot of freaking fun too. You know, so there's a reason <laughs> beyond just the tool to have them is just to freaking have them. You know, I don't have it just to say, look at me. I have it to have fun and I have it to get to gain access into a higher level of society in order to do business with a different circle of people. Yeah. Reasons. Yeah. But five years ago, I, I went through eight months of not knowing what was wrong with me from a physical perspective and finally getting to the point to where I had a pain. I'm like, this is the only thing we have to go on. And the surgeon's like, well, if I go in, I'm just taking it out here. I'm like, good. It's the only thing he goes in there in a 45 minute surgery turned into that was supposed to be robotic turned into a three hour by hand surgery because this thing almost became like a zombie organ and grew attachments to my liver, my pancreas, my kidney oh my on that side, just sucking life out of me. Uh, but during that time, I learned because it was a good year recovery after that too, because I, I was less than a day away from dying. That's what the surgeon said. And I didn't even know that. Uh, the eight months before and the year after, I really, really learned how to lean on my team how to trust in other people. Because even to that point, even though I trusted them, I still try, had a measure of control over them rather than giving them complete freedom. And I learned something during that time. You know, there, there was a, a phrase, I don't remember where I saw it, but it said, it's time to delegate what you're doing when somebody else can do it 70% as well as you can. You know, so I'm thinking, you know, my, my logical side of my brain, it's like, well, that means seven out of 10 times are going to get it right, which also means that three out of 10 times are going to get it completely wrong. Yeah. Uh, that's the, that was the, the mental threshold, you know, the, the wellness in my brain that I had to cross in order to completely trust in a team. So almost dying allowed me, actually forced me to put more faith in my team and just let them do things. Yeah, and it, I wish I had known this lesson prior to that, and I wish I had learned it a different way too, rather than being almost dead and being forced to trust in my team that much. But that's where we started exponentially growing everything that I was doing. So it was after that that I started going on TV, that I wrote my book, that I, I launched my podcast, that I really launched my personal brand, understanding that everything is dependent upon me and people do business with people. You know, and in order for everything to grow underneath me, there has to be a face to it. There has to be a personality. There has to be heart. There has to be a core of it to where other people can latch onto it. Before then, it was just a business. Now it's a vision. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. So, again, th this brings me to another question. Uh, yeah. Work-life balance. Um, I mean, you've how do I achieve? You've, you've grew um, your business into a multi-million dollar business. Yeah. So how do you bal balance work and your personal life? Oh, I love that question. That's one of my favorite questions, for real. <laughs> it's because well, it's, I think it's, it's, it's everyone kind of wants to know this because it's it's yeah. it's, it's the, probably the worst thing for interp the, the the entrepreneur burnout is yep. is mentioned everywhere in the press. You know, in um, that that this is what 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 entrepreneurs suffer from. So, how do you? balance your life. And uh, I, I will say this because after this, it's going to sound like I have it all together because I don't, you know, I just want to say that I don't have it all together. It's still a constant struggle and a constant mental discipline to try to do this. Now I'll go into the part that I usually talk about, you know, that was me being vulnerable there for a minute because it, it's still, it's always a struggle with something like this, you know, especially when you have kids and they're getting, for my kids, they're getting into, I mean, every age is a crucial age. You know, but now they understand so much more in the world. They always have because I've always been just very open with them. But now, I mean, the, their intellect is so much more mature being 13 years old and 10 years old. It's mind blowing to me how smart kids are. You know, and I, I don't think that they get enough credit. They really understand what's going on. It's, it's crazy mm -hmm. that 
now the part that makes me sound like I really have it all together, which I say that jokingly and sarcastically, <laughs> but this is, this is how I approach this because I, I really do believe that a work-life balance is stupid. I, I think it's one of the, the, the facades that exists that yeah. people just say as a buzzword, as a cliche, you know, to try to say, Hey, this is how your life should be. It's the stupidest principle in the world. Yeah, you know, I, I, for me, it's been that way. After almost dying, I started realizing, you know, because th before they would ask, hey, how do you do it, Rick? You know, you run a business, but now it's like you run businesses and you do all these things and you travel. I mean, I was at the White House two days ago consulting them on cybersecurity. You know, so it's all these things go on in my life, but there's always a word that I come back to, really two words, but integration is the overall principle. And I even had an episode of this on my own podcast. I think it was episode three, the third one I ever did, you know, a year and a half ago called Balance is Stupid. That was, a, it was one of my favorites ever because balance is ridiculous. I don't understand how you can achieve that balance to where you can separate those worlds. You know, it's a, for me, it's like a, a multiple personality disorder. If I tried to do that, I felt like different sides of me were always at war with each other. So now it's, I, I believe in what I call integration when it comes to family, when it comes to personal life and, and work life is that everything has to be this one cohesive thing. And it's not perfect, but it's something to where I involve my kids. Like when I, when I go to TV studios, right, I've brought all of my kids individually, one-on-one -on -one, with me into TV appearances so they can experience this world. Yeah. And when last year, one of the driving forces, this is pre-COVID, us pulling our kids out of public school and putting them in an online private university. You know, it's structured just like colleges at the young age that they are. They have Zoom teachers. They have, you know, they learn a lot by videos. They do self-teaching. Self it's an amazing system. But the whole reason we did that, one of the primary ones, is so that they can travel with me or my entire family can come with me. We started, you know, I had my first movie last year, Cybercrime. We had a premiere in Hollywood in L.A., and we got a nasty note from the school saying that your kids have missed so much. And this was at the end of the school year. This was in May, too. That was the last straw for me. I'm like, that's enough. You know, all my kids are getting straight A's, which I also think is a problem, even though they're really smart. I think it's an issue that they all just got good grades all the stinking time. You know, my background just changes. Isn't that fun? Something yeah. Happens, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's playing with something. That's a, that's interesting. At least you know that it's real in here, right? But it says studio yes. with that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, my, my kids, they, they come with me on places. My whole family comes with me to places. That's what I love about this is that integration perspective. I enjoy having my family around and they get to see the life that I live and get to be a part of it so that they can try to structure their lives and their families the same way. I have employees that say, how do you do it? You know, even when you're home, how do you do it? And the second word I've lived by is proximity. Proximity is key, meaning if you just even have to go to the grocery store and you have kids, just take a kid with you. If you don't have kids and you have a, a spouse or, a, you know, a, just a boyfriend or whatever it is, just take them with you, you know, just to hang around them, being in the same car, being in the same space. That's part of integration because those conversations can happen literally any time. It's difficult to try to schedule time to have those meaningful conversations. Mm -hmm. That's that balance that people try to achieve that I think is ridiculous because it doesn't make sense to put time on a calendar for me to, to go through and actually have a deep, meaningful conversation with my wife, you know, because something's always going to come up. So take that proximity approach to allow integration to really just do this at any point in your life. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, um, I, I guess why, why I'm asking, I, I think I've read yeah. somewhere in one of the Seth Godin's book that he was, because um, he's got a big blog, right? And he yeah. was, um, and he, he, he was talking in one of his books about him writing something for his blog at two o'clock in the morning somewhere, I don't know, on, on a holiday on some island he was um, in, in a hotel sort of lobby. Yeah. And he had this couple that was like half drunk passing by and they, yeah. they yeah. saw him typing something. And they made some snide, snide comments about him working in the middle of the night and like, look at this poor soul. Yep, right and he said, well, actually, if you love something, you don't treat it as a job, as, 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 as a work, and you can work at the weekends because if, if something is your passion, yeah, and you're really all in and this is something you want to do in your life, right you don't treat it as your job. And, and um, you know, you, you just enjoy yourself. Right on. You got to be that way. You got it. 
<laughs> but uh, you know, what I think uh, it's funny is that you know I have a technology company, and here I am in my studio, and I've got technology glitches here too with the background. You know, it's a video wall behind me. <laughs> nobody, nobody's immune, and that's even it's like not, it's, actually, like it's actually better because it was a bit dark. Before, oh, okay, before that. It's, it's, <laughs> your good. face is all lit up. It's, it's yep. nice. It's like but the same with work-life balance. You know, it's like I don't have it all together. I don't think I'm ever going to know the correct answer to that. You know, I just know what I'm pursuing and I know what's right for my family. And if, it, if what helps me can help other people just by sharing it, that's what I'm here for. You know, try the integration, you know, but even as a tech company, you know, I still, I'm still victim to tech problems too. It yeah. just happens. Nobody's immune to the stuff that they're trying to help everybody else with. How do you think we got here? How do you think we learn? It's because of stupid things like this, you know, when things just break, you know, and then you figure it out and then you're able to share those story and those laughs. Yeah, but uh, you know, you 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 came to this podcast, and 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 thank you so much to share your views about um, you know your your journey. The, I guess the the question I want to ask you: Have you ever experienced uh, anxiety or stress, toxic stress, or yeah. maybe depression in your life? And how did you deal with it? Yeah, it was during those uh, the time when I first really understood what anxiety was. And depression was during that eight months that I didn't know what was going on with me physically. Uh, and it was all the things that were going on in my head, not just, I don't know what's wrong with me, you know, from a physical perspective, from a medical perspective, but it was also what's going to happen to my business? You know, what's going to happen to my family? Can I still provide for them even if I'm sick? Uh, and that sent me into the spiral and it was really the unknown. You know, I mean, it, that's even like the biggest deal I think with COVID going on now too is the unknown. And it's just the fear of the unknown. You know, that's what I, I went through for eight months was just not knowing what was wrong with me or what the outcome was going to be. And still now it took, you talk about mental wealth after finding out what was wrong with me. It's like my brain got into this pattern, this, this toxic spiral of anxiety and depression. So even though what was wrong was fixed, it still took a lot of mental discipline to come out of that, to train my brain to think the same way again. And I, I look at it because I dropped, I had a weight loss journey seven or eight years ago. I dropped 80 pounds uh, just by nutrition. After that, you know, after I, I was almost dead, I started on a fitness journey after that. Now, nutrition and fitness are different, you know, so nutrition to me was just eating the right way. And that's how I dropped my weight. Fitness was actually physically enhancing my body and, and getting into a fit state, you know, which is a, a discipline. And I, I look at the mental wealth and the mental wellness in that way, too, in that you have to constantly train your brain and you have to flex the muscles in your brain in a positive way. And cause yourself to th intentionally think down paths that are good for you. And I know it's difficult because there are, I'm sure, I'm positive I had a chemical imbalance in my brain during this time. Because things would just pop up into my head that Rick Jordan, as who I am and who my core is, would never think these things. You know, would never go down these negative paths. And because it was just, I kept getting hit over and over and over again for eight months you know, from a medical perspective and then seeing, wondering what my business was going to do, wondering if I'd be able to pay my mortgage if I go into some kind of disability or something like that. All these negative thoughts just hit you all at once. And was any of it my fault? No, not none of it. Yeah, but I had to deal with that and learn how to deal with that and coming out of it, figuring out how to retrain my brain. It's just like right now. I mean, I've got, I'm pretty cut on my upper body because I, I've been doing fitness now for five straight years after coming out of that near-death experience. It took a good year and a half to get to a point to where I really felt fit, not just physically, but also mentally. So while I was working out, you know, I tied my mental wealth to my physical fitness during that time. That's why it's so important to me now, because I know that's what helps me think the right way. And just as it comes, it still comes, you know, I don't have it all together. There's morning, so it's like, you know what, I don't feel like working out today. And then I'll just sit at the table, drink an extra cup of coffee after my breakfast, thumb through on Facebook, just like the rest of the world does. And then I leave there and I, I beat myself up because like, why the hell did you do that? You know, you should have been on the bench. You should have been lifting today. You should have been on the rower, you know, and you would have ha set yourself up for an amazing day that way. But then it's like, all right, that's all the negative thoughts. And I'm not wrong in beating myself up that way, but it's like tomorrow is another new day to where I can do it right. 
during that time, I mean, there's science behind this too, to where when you think a certain way for so long, just like you build up physical muscle when you're lifting and you make those micro tears in your biceps or whatever, and they heal and they get bigger and stronger the same way, whether you think negative or positive thoughts, the same thought builds neural connections in your brain. And the more you think down those paths means the more strong that those connections are going to get. So when it comes time, you can't just come out of anxiety and depression at the snap of a finger. It's impossible. You can make a decision at the snap of a finger that that's what you're going to do. But those thoughts are going to continuously creep up. And I still feel five years later because sometimes they still come up. You know, it's, it might be once or twice a year now. You know, or there might be just little tiny inklings on a monthly basis, something like that. But I know now that that's not the way that I need to think because my brain remembers, just like your muscle remembers. Like it, I had uh, surgery, uh, you know, a year and a half ago, just super minor, but I couldn't work out for two weeks. Yeah, and I was thinking, it's like, oh, it looks like my muscles are going into atrophy or something. You know, yeah. my arms aren't as big as what they were. But two weeks passes and I get back on the bench one time and they pop right back. Your body remembers, yeah. your brain remembers both the negative and the positive. If you can tie something, this is the biggest piece of advice I can give for mental wealth. If you can tie your mental wealth into something physical or some other discipline, they will feed off of each other in such a positive way. That's the only way I was able to come out of that spiral that I did. Yeah. But you see, men are so reserved. How do you even talk to men about his mental sort of health? How do you bring oh, it? Oh man, up? you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. I, I I think I'm a little different than most men in this way you know, because I'm a little disciplined that way. It's uh, what do men typically want? I mean, in the general population, they want to feel supported, right? They want to feel validated you know, from from a mental perspective, and that they're doing a good job. You know, I'm sure most men ha have a love language. You know, the five love languages. Most men probably have a love language of you know, one of their top two of being words of affirmation. You know, they want to feel needed. They, they want to feel supported. They want to feel like they're doing something good for the people that are around them. You know, so if you can tie it to that, you know, that from a female's perspective, you know, this is just coming from a man. If you can tie, you know, whatever issues your, your man has in, in that aspect, you know, tie it to something good that he's doing. Uh, and, and that'll hopefully help break that cycle. You know, because even though they're that way, you know, men are also very direct, but men also compartmentalize things. It's difficult. You know, I, I remember the analogy of a waffle, right? So where there's all the little squares in the waffle. Somehow or another, women are the syrup, right? The sweet stuff that goes on top of the waffle. And you have the amazing ability to cross those barriers between those little squares because you just, you just go all around, which is amazing. Right. So find find one of those little compartments that the dude is proud of right now. No matter how small it is, there's something there that you can continuously build him up in and just say he's doing a great job in. And then he'll be more open into hearing about some of those things he doesn't like talking about. And so men always want to feel supported. They want to feel validated by any partner if it's a woman that they're with. Yeah, no, that, that 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 that's a great sort of great advice uh, for, for 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 women because we sometimes well we want to be supported, but at the same time, if the man is not in the right mental state, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, he can't give all the support he he can, and that it's point. it's and tough too because if you it yeah. might, might take a lot of time because men are men are proud, you know, it's just the way that we are. And it sucks that way. You know, the, I've had a, another thing I've had to train myself is to try to be more open into hearing the things that are not right with me because there's a laundry list. You know, you look on my, my Instagram page, whatever, it looks like I've got it all together, right? And I'm just like anybody else. I, I have things that I struggle with. It's a, when it comes to supporting men, yeah, they want to hear about the good things that they're doing. But it will take time because I'm sure that there's women in your audience that are listening that are in abusive relationships. You know, and I'm not even talking physically, I'm talking mentally, you know, but that's a place that men go to and it's stupid. You know, I, I don't know why it is. It's not something that I struggle with. This is one thing I don't struggle with, but I see this with men because that's a diversion tactic. When they hear things or see things about themselves that they don't like, they will project it onto other people, especially the woman that they're with. 
you know, and it sucks. I feel so bad for women who are in these positions, you know, but if you can continuously find something, try this, it'll take time. And sometimes, you know, I don't know, you might not ever break through. That's the truth of it. That's the straight truth. You might not ever break through because he might not want to be helped. And that's the switch that has to flip, but it'll be easier to switch, to flip that switch when you're supporting him in an area that he is proud of right now that he is doing things right in and that you notice and you can affirm him in that one yeah. small tiny area. He might be an idiot in 99 other areas, but this one area is probably the reason you might be with him. Maybe the reason you married him to begin with. Focus on that to build him up and then he'll be more open into hearing about those other 99. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess another question I was just kind of dying to ask you. Uh, yeah. You you've been doing entrepreneurship for what twelve years, and yeah. um, you do exercising to keep yourself healthy physically and yeah. mentally as well. But at the same time, one of your passion is to chase tornadoes, right? <laughs> it is. Isn't yeah. entrepreneurship not risky enough for you? It's not <laughs> thrilling enough for you. What's going on there? <laughs> oh my gosh! How did you know that? Oh goodness. <laughs> that's usually something I bring up for the question of like, tell us one thing that nobody else knows, you know? So it's when, yeah. I, when I was seven years old that my, my first career choice, what I wanted to be was a meteorologist. You know, I was just fascinated with weather, but even more specifically tornadoes I, at the age of seven, like those things are cool, you know? And then understanding the destructive power of them and just seeing how they're able to hit one house and completely miss the next. It's just mind boggling to me. I understand why that happens now because I've studied them, but it's, it still comes back to almost like that protective nature of me because I was going to be law enforcement. You know, I'm in cybersecurity now. I've been trained by, by the CIA. You know, I, I do a lot of protective things. I even had a security company that was guns and guards. You know, I, I've been on people like Rahm Emanuel, the mayor of Chicago. I've protected people like Caitlyn Jenner. You know, so that there's a protective nature of me and that even almost fulfills that. So it's not just this raw, natural power of nature, which is so impressive to me. It's also, if I'm on it, I can also make a phone call that nobody else can and say, this is what's coming, you know, because I'm, I'm an advanced, advanced trained spotter for the National Weather Service too. It's sort of a hobby, but it's also that, that fear thing that we're going back to, right? I've never been afraid of them, but the more you understand about something, the less fear you're going to have about those. So now I know that I'm more safe being, you know, a hundred yards from a tornado than I am being 10 miles away because there's so much that can happen in those 10 and I can see it. I can, I understand it. I have the knowledge and I can see where it's going to move. And I know that even if my house with my family is in the path, we're all getting into the truck and we're all chasing the tornado together because we, we can see just this amazing, yeah. beautiful, raw power of nature. And we can also be safer at the same time. It's, it's intriguing to me how these things form, how they dissipate. It still is. And they're still not completely understood, which is also mind boggling to me. Yeah. I, I guess maybe it's a reminder that you are at the end of the day, mortal. It, yeah? it truly is. Right. <laughs> Life on. can yeah. end any moment and you should really go for it and be all in which is the name of your podcast. Yep. You got it. That's a, that's a great perspective on that too. Is that I think everybody needs those reminders here and there that we're still mortal you know, and that tomorrow, nobody's promised tomorrow, uh, yeah. but that, that shouldn't matter. You know, it should only matter in the aspect that you should try to do as much today as possible for other people. Because if you're going tomorrow, you know, whether you believe in heaven, what, whatever it is, it, regardless, you can't take anything with you. You, know, you can't let, just like load up this angelic U-Haul or something like that with all of your possessions. Really, what you're doing is to build for the people around you. It's always that case. You're never promised tomorrow, so do everything you possibly can today. Yeah, and I, I guess what would be the advice for starting and perhaps uh, entrepreneurs that are going through a very difficult time right now? What would be your advice to them? Yeah, if um. For entrepreneur, it'd be different for, for both of those categories. If it's those that want to start, just freaking do it. Don't wait. You know, that, that's what I, I waited for six years. You know, the, if it's a regret, fine, you can call it that just to, because everybody understands that word. But jump off the cliff. You'll figure it out. You know, and if it wasn't that one thing, you'll figure something else out. And I hope to God that you fail 
numerous times because the only way I'm here where I am today is because of the failures that I've had and the mentors that I've had along the way to get me to where I am now. And so I hope that you fall flat on your face. Even my son, when he didn't want to join swimming, he's like, I'm worried I'm not going to be the best. I'm like, that's good. I hope you suck on a couple of your races because you're going to learn. <laughs> he's like, oh, I never thought about it that way, dad. I'm like, I know. I'm like, when you, when you look around you and you see that so many people are doing something better than you and you didn't bring everything you could to the table that day, you're going to want to do the best you possibly can the very next day. Now, so for that group that's thinking about taking that plunge, that's diving, do it now. You know, don't worry about the safety net, burn the freaking net. Because if you have a side hustle or something that you feel that you can go back to, you're never going to be all in, in that dream, in that vision that you have, because you're always going to have some kind of tether back to where you were. You know, it's like when you lose weight, it's like keeping your fat clothes in your closet, thinking that, you know, yeah. oh, these are five sizes bigger than what I am right now, but maybe someday, why don't you get rid of those? It's the same thing. Burn the net of your old career, your old job. You need to go all in where you're at right now. When I dropped my weight, all the clothes went out the door. You know, every single size, they were just gone because I knew that I was never going back to that. And now it's like, I don't have bigger clothes. So if I see myself put on two pounds, five pounds and stuff gets a little tight, like I, I can't, I don't have any other clothes that could fit me if I get bigger. So I yeah. need adjustment right now. And I like my clothes. I'm a big fashion nut. <laughs> I don't want to buy fatter clothes. You know, that's the thing. I like my 33 size waist. I like my 42 inch chest. You know, it's it's how I need to be for the rest of my life. So it's that decision. Now, for the group of entrepreneurs that's struggling right now, you know, I would I would break this down into two categories. Right, take a look. Like we were talking about earlier. Are you just doing the same job, but now you're just doing it for yourself rather than working for somebody else? Or are you truly trying to build something that's bigger than you? you know, if you're the former, you should probably go back and work for somebody else. Because you know, if you're just doing the same thing, you're thinking, oh, I can just do it and not have a boss. right? That's the wrong reason. You're not an entrepreneur. That's just the straight truth. You know, you're just out there doing your own thing because you don't want to do it for anybody else. It's the same garbage. So if you're in the second group, you're struggling, but you're really trying to build this vision and really trying to structure things to where you can see it 10 years from now. You've got 100 people working for you. They're, they're looking to you for direction. You know, don't give up on that now because when the struggle gets the hardest is the moment that you're going to have the biggest breakthrough. I've seen that in my life to where things just come against me so hard. And I've started to recognize that now to where it's just on the other side. That's a moment to where you're going through the fire and you're being groomed for the next phase in your journey. So if you're at the hardest point you've ever been at right now, that's awesome. I'm glad you're going through all the suck right now because in a month, in three months, whatever it is, you're going to come through this and be like, oh my gosh, I learned so much during that time period. Now look at me coming out of my death. My own, I call it my death because it was like a mental death for me during that yeah. time. That's when everything started taking off because I went through that fire because I had to realize and deal with things that I've never had to deal with before face fears and insecurities. I, I was just too scared to prior to that. If you're going through your roughest time right now, keep at it, face them. Don't run from those fears, those insecurities, because your win on the other side is coming. Rick, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. It's grateful. I hope I brought some value to your audience. Immense value. Thank you so much. Thank, <laughs> thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mental Wealth Entrepreneurs Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this show. Please send me any comments or feedback. If you're an entrepreneur and want to share your story, please contact me. The link is in the podcast show notes. Also, please see the social media links and uh, links to offers from my guests on the podcast notes. This podcast is sponsored by Smart Octopus Voice Agency, who create chatbots and voice skills on Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant. So I'm really excited uh, to tell you that this podcast is now available as an Alexa skill. Uh, so you can search for Resilient Entrepreneur uh, skill 
and enable it as a flash briefing. So that's all for me. Um, I wish I wish you good mental health and you are just one mind hack away. Till next time.